This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homestyle Radio. Live review show. Crowdfunded by Palace fans. For Palace fans. Hello and welcome to Homestyle Radio. I'm Chris Handling and once again I'm your host for our review show. There's four defeats out of four for Frank DeVore. As pleasing as that rhyme is, it leaves us goalless and pointless in the league. Our failure to score is an unwanted Premier League record for the club. This time it was Sean Dyche's third league who profited from the Palace team's generosity as Chong Yong Lee played an exquisite through pass to Chris Wood. He curled the ball past stranded, stranded Wayne Hennessy with ease. Despite dominating and creating numerous chances, the Eagles left turf ball without any points or goals. We'll dissect the game, give our views, get in touch with yours via holradio.net or slash contact. We'll be back after this short message. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia, Homophobia. doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Right, we are then. It's uh, well, before I introduce the panel, I would like to apologize in advance for the fact that I'm extremely unwell today and uh, my voice is likely to deteriorate. Uh, did I even say that word correctly? Also, my brain is likely to deteriorate as well by the sounds of things. So, uh, do bear with me, but fortunately, I have, a, I have a great panel with me today to help out. So, first of all, let's go and visit Mr. DR Kernas. Hi, DR. Hello, hello, indeed. We've also got Mr. Nick Gillard. Watcher. Watcher. No one says that, mate. Come on. Yes, I do. In 1977. Right. Messages. Do you still say Watcher at HOL Radio or, or something? Or somewhere getting in touch with us, which I probably said in the intro. Uh, also, we've got the pleasure of being joined at the piano by Mr. Albert Curley. Watcher. How is everyone? All right? Good, mate. Good, mate. <laughs> I'm just trying to chill everybody out. It's a good vibe. Lucky yeah. I can't play any um, songs that are rude or unfamily friendly because I might be playing them tonight. <laughs> can you, well, um, can you play funeral dirges? <laughs> well, well, that's probably that's as much as that's as far as I'm going. 
Uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how you progress over the coming weeks and by the end of the season you'll have written us a hilarious song I'm sure I'm so glad you didn't say over the next hour because it wouldn't have been very much <laughs> Fair yeah. well, actually, of course you'd be concentrating on this in the time of practice yeah, so also oh god Nick stop interrupting me for the love of god to be a long show if you're carrying on like this I'm helping your sore throat thanks mate I'm just telling you off on air as well is one of my favourite things to do <laughs> um <laughs> We do uh, do usually go live on Facebook. I'm waiting for a shout from the producer, Tom, to let me know when that's actually happening. Uh, but obviously, um, yeah, I've got nothing much to say about that. But you can get in touch with us on Twitter. And also if you go to our discussion group on Facebook. Uh, just search Homestow Radio on Facebook. You'll find both our page and the discussion group. And you can communicate with us there where DR is looking over events. Uh, we've also got the chat room, Nick. Would you like to tell everyone where that is? Wholeradio.net forward slash chat and Santi Eagle in there says Walksha. Does he? But mm. does he spell it with an A or an O? I think that's more of a sorry Walksha. Right, See, I said play. it with an O. Fair play. I, I would have I would have said it with an O if I was your age. So uh, <laughs> do get involved in the chat room, holradio.net forward slash chat where Nick will be your sort of I don't know about guide, host, something like that anyway. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today um, with a with another loss, of course. Uh, but I think overall it's worth pointing out that the consensus for most people was it was a much improved performance. Uh, a lot of people say you, you can't sack the manager after that because obviously that was the rumour that he would go if we lost that game. Uh, and I think it's fair. It was a much improved performance, but again, we're our own worst enemies, I think. So... Uh, Let's get into the discussion about that, really. Um, so team selection, tactics, it was, uh, it was, I think, a surprising selection, mainly because Ruben Loftus-Cheek was effectively supposed to start, uh, but didn't even make the bench in the end. And uh, James McArthur was playing in his pos- the position that everyone thought he would be playing in. So it would suggest a late fitness test was failed. Uh, it was a it was a back four. Uh, De Boer stated it was a four three three formation. It didn't really seem to shift too much as the game went on either. Uh, so I suppose first of all, guys, um, start with you, Nick. Did the four three three seem better to you or more of the same? It seemed better. Um, I, I yeah. I've, I've look. Let's, let's face it. We should never have lost that game. I mean, that's that's the main thing, isn't it, really? And I, I thought we played some very, very good football with the players that we had on the pitch. Um, we'll, we'll talk about what happened during the game, I'm sure. Um, and I actually tweeted earlier in the week that I thought uh, Chung Yung Lee was going to feature a lot this season and actually do quite well. Now, whether that's a <coughs> Spironi-esque mistake that he makes up for later on in the season, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I was disappointed that he didn't do do better uh yeah i think that's i think that's an understatement <laughs> really i mean you you did effectively jinx it and it, you know again lee was one of the surprises in that but uh yeah and again playing on the left his his favorite position is playing out on the right so but but townsend obviously gets the uh the, the nod to do that do what did you make of things uh, with going back on Lee, I don't think he should be in our squad, let alone starting. He's just clearly not a Premier League footballer. Before, prior to this game, prior to his mistake, it's just the same thoughts. Uh, we should have got rid of him and tried to improve in that position. 
before the transfer window shut and unfortunately we didn't but yeah technically he's not up there and also he's too weak for the Premier League and today showed it he was getting bodied off when he was trying to challenge for the ball and it was just poor from him no, it was poor. And obviously, the, the focus will always be on, on the back pass, which, as I said in my intro, was actually a lovely through pass. But, but unfortunately, the wrong direction. Someone needs just to physically pick him up and turn him around and play, get him to play it the other way. <laughs> it might actually help. But uh, look, it's, there's a lot wrong with that first goal, which we'll, we'll analyze, analyze in a little bit. I just wanted to cover another couple of bits from the lineup and, and get Albert's views as well. Uh, Albert Ward, Ward remained in the team um, at right back. There were. Well, first of all, more comfortable at right back uh, in, a, in a back four. Do you think think that one of that is one of the reasons why we've retreated to a back four? Uh, yeah, probably a contributing factor. I mean, yeah, I echo Diaz's comments. I don't, I've never rated Chung Young Lee apart from his absolute screamer against Stoke. Um, I, th- I think it's, it's a shame, really, because I think the, sh- the shape the shape was a lot more satisfying on paper today. But there's personnel in there, and it's it's not their fault. But they're the they're the only options we've got at the moment because you know our our squad isn't isn't the you know the deepest. Um, Joel Ward, yeah, much much happier in a back four. Um, you know we know we, we know he's got potential to be a, a very 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 capable right back in the right system. You know under Tony Pulis, he was rarely found sort of out of his depth. Uh, but three minutes into the game and we're, we're on the back foot and a team that's desperately low on confidence is. You know, going to struggle to put goals away. You know, especially when we haven't put any away uh, up to this point. Yeah, no, that's, that's that's a very fair point. It, the lack of goals is, is is the concern, and you know, obviously, I've, we're asking for trouble when the focus at the moment is on the lack of striking options. We've only got Benteke up front, and as it's just it's easy pickings for anyone wanting to point out where our failures are. I don't think it tells the whole story to be talking about. You know the, the strikers because there was a whole host of players who missed chances today, and we'll be talking about all of those as well. Uh, because you know, as as you said, Nick, on balance of the game, we should have won. You know, it, it, it's it's just uh, it's just it's frustrating. I mean, De Boer comes out after the game and says he can't believe we haven't won. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't go that far. I can believe it because it's very Palace. But what I was saying on Twitter was. If that game hadn't followed three awful performances, you'd see a very different reaction. You know, we'd, we'd call it one of those days. We'd call it, you know, a sort of aberration. Um, and, and you've got to say that we're moving in a positive direction. It's just, are we moving quick enough? And, you know, when we get our better players back, if you look at that performance and think you could have had Wilf and Loftus-Cheek in that team, uh, you, you do start to get a lot more confident. Albert? Yeah, I think the, the, the sort of overall overarching worry thing for me is that our two our two best performances, head and shoulders, but two best performances have come away from Salas Park, um, and the, the two performances at home have been absolutely abject. And so I know it can be sort of coincidence in the fact that you know chronologically we should be getting better as we go along. You know, there, there's there was really a, a way down after Huddersfield. I think we tried to equal it against Swansea. So, you know, I think next week becomes really telling. You know, every, every, with every game that we don't score and we don't win, the pressure just gets heaped on the team tenfold. Um, I want to come, yeah. Go on. Uh, so, I want to come back to a point you made, but Nick, Nick's trying to jump in there, so I thought I'd interrupt you like he does. Yeah, it's just... How many players have we had this season to start, um, Albert? Because there's, there's been a, a lot. We don't... We, we need to get 
into a settled team. I know we've got players out injured, but it doesn't help having so many new faces in the squad. And it was great that we had um, the new guy, uh, Lameco. I've written it down somewhere because he's so new. I, his name's still fresh in my mind. Um, I'm surprised he was brought on. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But yeah. There's not that many new faces in the squad. Well, no, not new faces, but that hadn't played together for the first team at the same time, if you know what I mean. In, in particular, they had played together in pre-season, which was obviously my complaint at the start of the, start of the yeah. season. Um, just a tweet in from Bramie Eagle saying he's sick of people blaming squad depth. It was better today. It's Burnley. Friend of Boo has played a fortune to get the best out of us, and he isn't. So strong views from, from Bramie Eagle there. Um, I've got a, lo- a lot of uh, contact on Twitter. Sorry, not on Twitter. I'm on Facebook regarding the... Uh, the actual uh, sort of overall performance, which I'll come to in a little while, but a point you made, Albert, you talked about you know the difficulties we've had at home, and that's that's over a, a period of time. It's it must be you're talking probably is it two three seasons maybe now where we've been better away than we have been at home, something like that anyway. So and I was very interested to see Leon Britton commenting about that about Swansea's visit to. Uh, to Sellers Park, you're right. I'll bet you're creaking away there, mate. You want a rocket? Yeah, that's. I've been. I've been in. I've been in the car for the last five hours. So that's actually my lower back. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the uh, so his comments was essentially that turning up to the game, Swansea knew uh, that that we the the you know if they got the fans to to get fr- uh, frustrated with us and got get anxious with us, that 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 would put pressure on the team to start playing in a way that the, the, the manager didn't want. And he, that's exactly what happened. That was their game plan. It was to, to effectively use our own home support against us. So we're kind of playing into the into opposition hands there. And we, we collectively as supporters probably have, to be honest and say, we have a responsibility there in terms of what we've what we've been doing at home. Everyone talks about the sort of unflinching support of the homestyle fanatics, but, you know, I think that they're being drowned out by the groans and the boos at the moment. So they're, they're, I thought it was a very interesting point that you would bring up, you know, that the poor form at home. And again, it, it's only one factor because, you know, there's plenty of other tactical factors, like the fact that we get given the ball a lot at home uh, and people try and break on us. But, um, you know, we, we have really seemed to, to struggle of late. Uh, I've actually got a stat there on it, though, Nick, from Lee. Yeah, Lee, CPFC, in the chat room, whole radio forward slash chat. I forgot then. <laughs> um, Lee, CPFC, our home form over the past three seasons has been strangely identical and very consistent. Last season, 1-6, drawn 2, lost 11. And then 1-6, drawn 3, lost 10 in both 15, 16 and 14 and 15. What's what, what so it like? What's it like, you know, five years ago and six years ago when we when we had that sort of unwavering support when we first got back in the Premier League? You know, I I, I don't know. If it, I can't even think if it was any better, uh, but I kind of in my head it was. Uh, you remember you remember games, don't you, Chris? You remember the the Cristian Ball game where the atmosphere yeah. is absolutely cracking, and um, the atmosphere wasn't bad for the first game of the season until Huddersfield scored, and it, it's not yeah. been the same since then. And it is a two way thing. I'm sure of it. And it is hard getting behind your team when they're sh- when they're rubbish. Um, <laughs> self edit um, Yeah, and uh, you know we, we need to motivate them, but we've got nothing. Well, we we did see it today, but we need to get something back to motivate us. Yeah, ab- absolutely right. We've and yeah, we're they've... we're in a bit of a vicious circle. That's that's always not always, but more often than not, in my experience at, at Sellers Park has been that. 
you know, if we go ahead, that, that is, makes it so much easier for the crowd to sort of to get to get up for the game. The only other time we really get up for a game is if it's raining really heavily. We seem to do it like that as well. We're a bit weird, aren't we, Palace fans? But uh, look, you know, let's get back to the game. Obviously, one of the first things we've got to analyse in the game is, is the goal because it's the real sort of first piece of action that happened in the game. So Chucky found himself with the with the ball on the, the our left flank, uh, heavy touch, and sort of took it back towards his goal considerably. Now, what frustrates me? There's two things that happen that really got to me when, when I've viewed the goal several times. First thing is Chucky looks up. Right, so it's not like he's playing. I thought he played it blind because of where it went and who it went to, but he actually looks up to play that ball. So that that you know really is any stick he gets, you know he deserves for that because you know it's either very poor technique or he's I don't know I don't know what he's thinking. So that's that's frustrating. The second thing that's frustrating for me is. That our line, our, our line is very, very high. We have a couple of our defence have stepped up pretty much to the halfway line, and the other two are about five yards back. And Fosu Mensa is actually standing next to Wood as Chungi sort of starts to play the pass. And Fosu Mensa is a very, very, very quick runner. Uh, and Chris Wood isn't. He's not a sl- no, not like he's not very slow or anything like that. But he is, you know, he's considerably slower than Fosu Mensa. So because of the pass that Chungi's played, it's not going towards any player. Hennessy's immediate thought is, well, that's intended for me because the direction it's going, it can only be intended for him. So he's obviously, he's got got on his feet straight away and he's running towards it, but obviously he's never getting there. And the really annoying part is if Hennessy stays where he is, Fosu Mensa reacts when he should, he's easily going to outpace Wood or at least catch Wood up before Wood gets a shot away. But by doing what they did, by Mensa reacting slowly, and by Hennessy coming, storing out of his goal, it actually made Wood's mind up for him. and got, He got to take an easy shot before anyone could kind of try to get back. So we've undone ourselves in so many ways there, and it, it's just incredibly frustrating. Albert? I'm, I'm not sure I agree with you saying Fossey Mensa is going to catch up with him, to be honest, because he's got a good few yards on him, Chris Wood. And I, and I, know, I know there is a difference in pace, but... You know, for all intents and purposes, he's he's, he's through on goal with only a goalkeeper to beat. And, the, and again, I've seen with every game, there's you know there's stick against Hennessy saying, "Why did he come out?" I think if if Hennessy stays on his line and and doesn't come out, and you know Chris Wood puts the ball in, he, I think Hennessy's going to get stick from from any from any angle there. I, you know, I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit hesitant to say that. Had Wayne Hennessy stayed where he was, Fosse Mensa is going to come back and and stop that goal. You know, Chris Wood. All right, he's he's only come up from the championship, but you know he knows how to finish. And all right, I'm going to counter that slightly, right? Because I, I I get the point. If if things play out exactly as they are, and we're only talking about Hennessy's movement, then Fosse Mensa is not getting back. And the reason for that is because he's planted his feet and not reacted. What I, what I actually what I, tr- I tried to emphasise was if Fosse Mensa is alive to the danger. And and watching Chris Wood rather than sort of looking the other direction and, and look you know looking up the pitch effectively they're not expecting Changi to play that pass understandably perhaps but not expecting it who's the pass for like you, it's, it's, it's it such only, a bad pass you cannot even tell who it's intended for he's looked up he can only be playing it for Wayne and I think Nick you've got a couple of uh, a couple of 
Message you then. Yeah, a, suggested a, as much. a couple of things, and then my own point. It's wholeradio.net forward slash chat. Um, I think this grumpy mort. I think Chongy expects keeper to come out all the way. Uh, as yet, Hen position is all over the place. Uh, Lee CPFC says that Hennessy keeps committing to these situations and keeps getting caught out. Now, I'm actually thinking it, it wasn't the first back. They, they played the ball back to Hennessy quite a lot. And to be fair to Hennessy, he dealt with the ball being played back to him a lot better today than he has done in recent weeks. I don't think he kicked it out once. Ah. Um, but if, we, if we're if we playing this, that's why Hennessy is out of his area because he's he's almost playing as a, a, a libero. Uh, is it libero libero in the old Italian game that used to play behind the back four? Um, he's almost adopted that position just to give us that extra option to keep the ball but it was the most hospital pass you could ever see wasn't it he plays it I, I, I just don't see I, I you know I don't see how Hennessy can receive any stick for this because you know Lee he plays that he plays that pass from inside Burnley's half of the field and if Hennessy if, Hennessy, if Hennessy's out five yards out of his box at the point where Chris Wood makes contact that's because Hennessy's just probably at the edge of his area. He's not outside his area. He's just at the edge of his area, and and there's no, there's no way you can be expecting that pass. No way. Not not from Burnley's half. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, God, Dio, are you coming to this? Yeah, exactly. I agree with Alpha 100. Um, no one expected that. Hennessy or the defenders. Alchangi just. I don't know what type of pass that was. I don't know who he saw, who he was passing to. I don't think no one will know except for Chunky. And you can't blame Hennessy for that because it was right in between the defenders, and it was pro. It's not that close to his goal as well. It was just. It was just stuck in the middle. And if he stayed in his goal, people will complain. And now he's come out, people will complain. I don't think it's Hennessy's fault. If people are going to complain, I think they should complain that Chunky. What was he thinking of in the first place? Yeah, that that or, just comes. Or they should complain at um, Frank de Boer for playing a system that involves kicking the ball back to the keeper so much. I mean, we had the oh, ball wow. in their half, and it went all the way back to the keeper a couple of times. Oh, wow. you're going to be you're devil's gonna, advocate. You, yeah, you're going to start on that topic. It's, it's my one of my biggest sort of complaints in the, in the crowd at Sellers at the moment. No, it's, it's, it's where, it's it's where people. It's, yeah, it's where people get angry with us trying to retain possession. Having said that, when your goalkeeper is. Is Wayne Hennessy, and again, this isn't a chance for me to have a dig for no reason. I'm just pointing out that with the ball at his feet, he's, he's not, you know, he's not that kind of a keeper. He's not the, the sort of the sweeper keeper, the extra man you can use in your passing moves. If you're going to knock it back to Wayne, realistically, you know, his best bet is to is to kick it up the pitch. It it, it is unfortunately. So look, I, I don't know. I don't know. You can't really tell that's what Chungy was play, playing. But as I said, when you watch it. He looks up, he looks back, he is playing the ball to someone. So the direction it goes, the nearest player is, is Hennessy. Uh, as, as insane as that sounds, Dio. Exactly. How can you blame Frank Tabor for that chunky back pass? We don't even know that he was going to Hennessy. And also, apart from that, um, in the first stuff, when we did give it back to Hennessy, he wasn't as bad as he normally is. Like He did distribute the ball up, up the pitch and... Sometimes, of course, there was mistakes. Hennessy was um, doing his beautiful mistakes and giving it too high or too low. But most of the times, he did give it to Benteke. And I don't think you can complain about, about Frank De Boer about that goal. It's just chunk his fault. Simple. No, that is, is, it's player error. It's, yeah. It's nothing, you know, and again, you feel for whatever your thoughts are about Frank De Boer, you feel for the man when that happens because 
<laughs> you know, he's had this. He said, you know, two weeks to prepare a team because of an international break. He's being put under all sorts of pressure. All the questions in the press are about whether he's going to get sacked or not. Uh, talking about this as a must-win game. You're two minutes into the, the game. A player you've given a chance, you know, to, to stake a claim for the team, absolutely sells you down the river straight away. And he, you know, he's got to sit. He's, you know, what, what do you do? What do you do in that position? He can't go out on the pitch and actually physically stop Chungy doing that. Or I bet he wishes he could. It's uh, it's a really you know terrible thing to have happened. And you know, ultimately, it lost us the game. It allowed Burnley to do what Burnley do, which is get men behind the ball. And just frustrate you. Uh, so go on, Albert. No, I just it found it found it uh, quite ironic that the man to play the pass was the was the one that squealed about Alan Pardew making absurd decisions. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, I've, I've never seen a more absurd pass, to be honest. Yeah, the, you can't you can't defend the guy. And I, I don't know. I've seen other people talk about the game that he had overall. Uh, as being quite a positive one, you know, I don't think there's any doubt that he's, other than that pass, generally speaking, he's quite, he's quite good with the ball at his feet. You know, he's got got a bit of pace about him, and you know, in his favourite position, he's got a decent cross on him. But I don't think he liked cutting back from the left. He didn't suit the position, but the attitude, I don't think, was right either. I think he was too easily beaten off the ball, as as bodied as uh, as Dr called it earlier, and. Um, the desire to get it back wasn't really there for the, for the, the time he was on the pitch, you know, barring a, a couple of tackles. Uh, Nick? You said in your little rant earlier that that back pass cost us the game, and I suppose it did, but I'd, I'd counter that and say, no, our terrible attempts on goal cost us the game. Dan Smith's oh. a couple of... I think they're more... They're, they're the things we need to focus on is they're not scoring, because the goals are down to individual errors, which we can't... We can't put on on a manager, but but those kind of misses are costing us points as well, much Nick, as Chung is miss. I think that's obviously there's a there's a huge topic there to talk about uh, in terms of the, the chances. I've, I've noted down everything that I thought uh, was particularly relevant. Um, but I, if I could just finish the defending part, because it wasn't just about conceding that goal. I, yet again, I think first half in particular, we just looked shaky. Now. You know, I saw I saw a couple of ex- sort of reasons for that. Someone was saying that, uh, you know, Fosu Mensah's not not a centre back, but he's a very good right back, so he should play there. Um, I I don't we we just don't respond well to pressure. Uh, Ward was beaten a couple of times by his namesake Stephen Ward, which too easily on on the overlap that shouldn't really happen. Uh, you know, we but, but Schlupp looked a lot more solid down the other side. Everything came down the left. Everyone targeted Ward again. You know, and I don't. I hesitate to try and bring Ward up every week because, but, he, but he's certainly targeted as a weak link. Is so when people talk about the, the the fact we spent all this money on Sacco, is the is he the answer? Is he what we need? He, he's got to be right. If you stick him into that those that centre back position, the way he played last season, that's what we're missing at the back, isn't it? And if we could be solid at the back and not panicking all the time, and all the other, the rest of the team not worried about having to get back and cover everyone who's out of form or out of sorts or just having an absolute mare, you know, surely that's that's what we're missing. Sacco, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Zaha, three of our best players, not in the team, not available. Can- surely that's most of the reason we're struggling. Silence. God, dear. 
Uh, yeah, with Sacco, yeah, he's going he's going to be a centre back. But then you have to, uh, we have the opportunity to play for some right back as well. So we can take out that weak link that people always target in Ward, and we can play for some there. And so that will uh, will have a better centre back and a better right back by one signing. So when Sacco does come back, it'll be interesting where Fosamensa plays because I would like to see him play right back. It will help. It will help out people targeting us. Be so, right wing back, wouldn't it? I well, quite, poss- quite possibly if we go back to about three. But uh, I, I, yeah, I agree with you, Dio. That's the fir- my first thought today was was that's what's got to happen as soon as possible. As soon as Sacco is even half of it, he's got to get in that centre back position, push Ward out the team, and push push Fossi Mensa out there because no, he's, he's a tenacious tackler and he's got great pace and he you know he's comfortable on the ball. Uh, but also thought that uh, Riedervald looks uh, promising and he's sort of six or seven minutes on the pitch as well. Kind of written off after getting injured in his first game, but a uh, very, very good player. I think he'll prove a very astute signing for us. Is he your, is he the other centre-back with, with Dan once this switch happens or Sacco or? Well, that's the que- that's the question. Is I, I would play, initially I would play Dan with Sacco and I'd have Riedervald uh, pushing for a place in the midfield. And we'll talk about our midfield in a bit. Uh, actually, no, let's talk about it now. What do we think about our midfield? Lots of lots of criticism for punching today uh, from a from a very wide variety of people. Lots of people asking what he actually brought to the team. So, I mean, statistically, again, sort of strong on his passing. But bottom line is, if if you look at meaningful contributions to the game, we're talking goals and assists. Is Jason Punching delivering enough? Uh, is he making enough key passes? You know, even what I would call an indirect assist, where he's the sort of you know second to last person to play the pass or whatever. I I worry um, that whilst he's captain, he's going to get picked every week, irrespective of form. And for me, his form is just not good enough. Go on, Dr. I know what's coming, but go on, mate. <laughs> his form hasn't been good enough for not only this season, last season as well. When he's first selected as a captain in pre-season, I was like, fair enough, he's going to be selected as a captain, but he's not going to play. It's obvious. But yet again, he gets selected every single week. And I don't understand why. All right, if it doesn't matter if you're captain or not, because we have to remember, when Scott Down was chosen captain and his form was bad, he got dropped to the bench and his captaincy got uh, taken off him. I'm not saying, oh, drop punching and take off his captaincy for mis- uh, performing. I'm just saying drop him off. Why is he at every game starting? He hasn't shown anything, so why do we start him every game? It's like playing with 10 men. It's just frustrating to see him every game. We had Reed World on the bench, we had Luca. If we played Reed World, we would have had a better passer, a stronger person on the ball. But yet again, we start with punching, and I don't understand why. Just tell me why. Someone that sports punching, <laughs> tell me why that we start with punching every game. Well, Nick was next to speak. Let's find out what he thinks. Well, I thought he was actually quite busy today. I'm just looking at his stats here. He got 10 crosses in, only two of which were completed. Now, whether that's down to somebody not getting on the end of it or whether they they were really, really poor crosses. Um, I thought he was quite busy and quite organising and and not too bad in the first half. He sort of disappeared in the second half, but he he didn't seem to do as many pirouettes today, which is a positive. Yeah, the, the punch and pirouette wasn't clear. Uh, Albert, you've got some views? I'd just like to get Nick to clarify what being busy and organising means. <laughs> um, well, he, you could see that he's in constant, constantly chatting with, with the other players and right. pointing a bit. And <laughs> right. That's <laughs> and cute. He, 
he he was playing a good few few pass, passes. I mean, his pass pass uh, rate was actually eighty five percent, which is pretty right. good. He's done one, two, three, four, five, six bad passes. Well, if you think that's only fifteen percent of all his passes, and the majority of them are going forward, I think I think I can say. I see why uh, he's in the side today because you know we're we're lacking we're lacking options. No Zaha, no Loftus Cheek. We need some you know um, attacking impetus in there, and you know former side Jason Punchin is in that sort of attacking bracket as a you know as a player. But you know I certainly echo what everyone's saying. His form has been has been well. The, the last game I can. Hand on heart, say I had a game was the FA Cup final. You know, I'm sure that there might be the odd one in there that someone might be able to to throw in. But for me, he's been a sort of spent force for a while. And the moment Loftus Cheek becomes available and Zaha becomes available, you know, like like we're saying about Joe Ward, I, I fully expect to see Jason Punch on the bench. But I'm slightly concerned, as Chris has already mentioned, that you know, whilst he's captain, surely he's going to get the, or he's certainly likely to get the nod over a few other people. You can you can say that, and I, I I kind of agree with you. He hasn't been at the form he was two or three years ago. That that that's, you know, and maybe some time on the bench will will make him think about what he's doing a bit more. I don't know whether he needs the arms around the shoulder. It was a whole big thing with Pardew last year trying to get the best out of. And let's not for, let's not Punchin, forget, wasn't this is Jason Punchin, who like two three seasons ago never turned up till January anyway. Yeah, so, you know, he's he's always been a bit of a you know, a divisive figure amongst the fans. It just now seems to, that the uh, the pendulum is swinging, seems to be not but, in his favour. But who else has been as con- inconsistent as Punction? Because almost everybody, I mean, Luca, who didn't start today, possibly could have filled a midfield role. He hasn't set the world on fire this season, yeah, has he? Yeah, he hasn't. Yeah, but with Luca, you're saying um, he hasn't set the world on fire. But with Punching. Luca has done it last season, but we'll punch him. He hasn't done it last season as well. What did he do last season, Nick? He hasn't done anything. Why do you keep rewarding the guy for not doing anything? I can promise you, punch punch stands still all game and does nothing. He will still get selected, and I don't know why. Look at his heat map. Look at his heat map. He doesn't stand still. No, he, he doesn't. Yeah, he no, just no. runs in circles and just loses the ball. That's what he does. All right, all right, they are. You, you know, you're starting to. You've confused him with Jordan much, I think. But that, that no, heat well, map is his arm flying about the place, pointing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all them right. twixes, mate, I'm, isn't it? I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and restore a little bit of what I would consider to be balance. <laughs> right. Um, so f- first of all, I've got a lot of respect for for Punchin. I, 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 I like the fact he's captain. You know, he is proven that he, he cares about the club. He's proven that he, he uh, is is a Good leader because Allardyce put him in that position, and, and Allardyce knows how to spot a leader. Um, and you know it's, it's worth knowing that you know in his first few games as captain, I think he had a hundred percent record, and he, he was a big factor in turning our form around. There's also the stat that he has played, sorry, he started, I think, or at least played in every single one of our wins. And we, you know, it's it's that's that's not by mistake. But what, what you've kind of touched on, guys, and what I really do feel is that for the last two to three seasons, probably two and a half seasons, he has not really, we haven't really had a, a player like him to kind of replace him. And that feels a bit weird because I'm also going to mention the fact that he, his form dropped the second we signed Johan Kabay. Um, 
because Goodbye kind of took his his role in the team, if you like. So I've kind of contradicted contradicted myself a little bit, but but what what I mean is he's not been pushed. You know, he, he's on the team sheet every week of his fit. I think a, a spell out of the team, like it motivated him for the FA Cup, as you've picked out, Nick. You know, he came he came off the bench and he was like a man possessed. You know, scored a great goal, was absolutely excellent. But you know, he's got to accept that that. You know, someone someone's out there waiting to take his position in the team, irrespective of whether he's captain or not. And I think what Dio's getting to with his frustration is that that never happens. Every week it's the same. You kind of every week you're thinking, well, we've got we've got a few to select from here. So like today, for example, if Loftus Cheek was fit, I you know it would have been MacArthur out of the team rather than Punchin. But I would have played MacArthur over Punchin. So you know he's. He, he's a source of frustration for a huge amount of fans, and he's kind of he's losing support in that team. And I actually think it's a real shame because a, an informed puncher is a is a terrific player and still would be at this level. There you go. That's my attempt to restore a bit of balance. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Luca if we can. So found himself on the bench today. Nick, you're, you're saying he's not the player he was last season. Well, uh, uh, I am Dave Williams. I'm not Dave Williams. I am Dave Williams. He's I am Dave Williams. He's finally lost it. Yep. Luca had a free roll under BFS. He has a role under FDB, which doesn't suit him. Interesting. OMG. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I think it's a fair comment. I think he hasn't he hasn't looked as uh, influential as he as he was last season. But you know, as as I am Dave Williams. I am not Dave Williams, as Dave Williams has said. It's confusing, isn't it, Nick? You're right. But uh, he, you know, he is playing a different role. He's been asked to play a different role. But he was terrific for us last year. And if you just get him in the team screening screening a back four, that's the perfect position for him. And obviously you can't screen a back four if you're playing with a with a three. So that's... I suppose that's <laughs> that, now that is confusing. Yeah. <laughs> but that's probably looking the, over his shoulder for where, wondering where the fourth one is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right go on Dio. exactly Chris we can't play with back three but then today we played with back four and this was a perfect opportunity for him to sit and then we have McCarthy and Kabai uh, who can advance but we didn't play him why didn't we this uh, yeah. was a perfect opportunity for him to play and we still didn't play him so that was a weird decision <sighs> look DR, DR, look we, we absolutely pummeled um, Burnley today absolutely pummeled and we we're all over them it's only in only in Palace and only in football that you'd lose a game like that 1-0 and he was part of the team that, that helped pummel Burnley you know there's loads and loads of positives from the game and I, I think Punch was a bigger part of that than people are giving him credit for yeah. and I'm a bit worried that he's being scapegoated much like Wayne's been scapegoated for Chang's pass well we'll see I, I would just I would just say that uh, we'll, we'll leave that that topic there, Dr. If we may, uh, we well, we've got to move on. You talk about the fact we pummeled Burnley, and let's talk about how we did. First thing I want to mention is crosses all season so far. Okay, three games, but I have been saying, why are we not putting crosses in the box? We've been playing nice tippy tappy football, but we haven't actually put the ball in the damn box, and that's where our strengths are. Today we crossed, we crossed a lot, and we created all sorts of chances. And Let's still go. didn't score. Still didn't score. 
So Scott Dan off the line directly after the, this is my list, right? So Dan off the line, number one. That was a corner. There was a man on the post who cleared it. That was directly after we conceded. Shortly after that, there was Teke's header wide from a little lofted chip through from Andros Townsend. Then there was a corner which MacArthur headed directly wide and couldn't believe he did. Then there was Le- later on in that uh, second half, Levi Lumeka came off the bench, headed wide. Then Schluck blazed over under very little pressure. Then Benteke was through on goal and it was smothered by the keeper. Then Dan had it cleared off the line from a corner on a back post. And then Dan headed wide from three yards out. Those were the ones I picked out. Chris? Yeah? 38 crosses we had, of oh, which dear. 10 completed or key passes. So... A third, only a third of our crosses were any good out of that 38 or oh, that, third. I, I, I would say that's that's fine as a, as a I, I don't know, I need to probably do some research, but as a percentage of crosses in the box that you would call a successful cross, I think a third is probably what you'd expect. If you were the opposition and your defence was allowing more than that to be sort of completed, you'd be having a real problem with your centre-backs. But, but, uh, but the fact is the ones that were completed, you know, Ben Teke's got to bury those headers, and he, he had a miss like that against Liverpool. What is he now? One guy, one goal in nine. Yeah. Um, and it's Listen, he, he's, he's got to score. He's 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 got to score these goals. Why why isn't he scoring? But <laughs> the last page of my notes, I've just scrolled over it. Will we ever effing score a goal? Because it just seems like that. But it's there's there's psychology involved. He's is he going to score hatfuls if he gets one? I don't know, but he, he just can't buy a goal, can he? Well, first he, of all, it's, first of all, Nick, it's not just him, but you're right. And he did that last season as well, went for a little barren spell and then got confidence back when he went away and played for, for Belgium, got a couple of goals, came back, looked a different player as well. So, uh, And it's also interesting to hear Pardew talk about the fact that he, he thinks Ben Seke needs to put more energy into his movement and more, you know, more enthusiasm into his game. Uh, so that, I thought that was interesting. And that's what a lot of people have been levelling at him in terms of criticism. Dio. Uh, yeah, I've, I was happy today that um, as a result that we played four for three because you saw how many crosses we had, we put in today. It was probably the most we've ever seen this season, and that was due to us actually having wingers. When we played three five two or five three two, whatever you say formation is, Andros was more central to Benteke and he was isolated. That's not his position. But we saw today how good Andros was on a wing. It seemed yeah. like he was a free man. You're just running up and down. You're so happy. And he actually put crosses in. And it's not only Andros, even though I've criticised Chunky, he he tried to put crosses in as well. And that's what the formation shows. When we actually do have wingers, we can put crosses in. When we don't, we can't because who's going to be out wide? It's, no, it's, 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 you're right and, and look people talk about identity and all that kind of stuff we we are a team that crosses now that doesn't mean that we always have to be but again I've said it before if you're going to have Christian Benteke as your striker pay a lot of money for him and pay him a lot of money every week you damn well better get the ball in the box because that's what he's about you know and I think I think today he, he was a frustrated figure for a lot of the game because obviously Burnley just got men behind the ball as soon as they went up, went a goal up so that was that was tough for him to deal with but look at what we created it's not just about him look at what we created just by getting the ball in the box so many opportunities you know Dan could easily have had a hat trick and to, to not get the the equaliser for 1-1 at the end you know that that okay he's not a striker but to nod that ball into the net it's criminal that he didn't so it's so unlucky but it, it's also it's not just luck, is it? We're not just talking about an unlucky team. We're talking about a team that, as Nick has pointed out, there's something psychological 
uh, going on about the, the, the inability to finish. Because you go back to Swansea, you go back to, even to Huddersfield. At key times, we're missing chances. We're, we've created far more today than we have, but still missed them all. Um, and, and, you know, what, what the answer is, I'm not sure. You've just got to have something full for you. You know, something's got to go in off someone's knee or the back of their head or something like that just to get us going, get a little bit of momentum behind us. You know, um, sorry, any more, many more views on that? I'm ranting again. My voice is starting to go. But uh, number of missed chances, Albert. You know, what more can the manager do since he's the one who's getting the flak? Well, yeah, on, on today's on today's showing, you know, like you know, as you've said, you you listed them off. There's there was a hundred chances of of all different types. You know, you had Benteke one on one with a goalkeeper. Admittedly, it's I think it's a very good save. You've got Schlup. You know, what fifteen yards out. You know, with a bit bit of time to get at least get it on target. Dan's had a couple. You know, we've we've tried to score every which way, and I think today you you, you do have to say it's a it's a bad day at the office. I don't. You know, can you can you get that kind of thing out on the training pitch and, and sort of? I, I, that's the problem, I think. So you can't. You know, <laughs> we've talked about it a lot in the past. When you see some of our players in in the the videos you get out of the club uh, in the training sessions. You know, they're scoring from all ranges, all different types of goals, you know, stroking the ball home easy as anything. You know, you look at Benteke's, as you said, Albert, great, great save, really. Uh, considering he's a sub-keeper as well, he's, he's had an absolute blinder there, saving at lower Benteke's feet. But just a little lift, just a little bit of a lift on that finish. And yeah, it. I agree. I, th- I think, again, if, if, if this was the first game of the season, we'd all be saying, oh, you know, we're really unlucky good performance to go into but the, you know the fact is it's our fourth performance or fourth league performance of the season we haven't scored a goal everyone's getting a paste in confidence is probably rock bottom you know in in a slightly different circumstances you might find he does pull out a I'm going to say uh, the type of finish that he, he beat Courtois with you know back yeah. in the last season um, everyone's probably snatching at chances uh, a couple of little tweets to go back with then Nick's going to jump in uh, Paul Ashby got on in touch just to mention that Luca only returned on Thursday from international duties. So that could have been a factor in him not playing today. Uh, and Brummy equals says, why keep asking about punch? What about Ward? Uh, yeah, I've said about Ward every every show. I was trying to avoid it this week. But uh, no, uh, he says, Luca's not the same because of blatant mismanagement. Uh, he was a centre-back in pre-season, clueless Frank de Boer. And uh, yeah, obviously the centre-back in pre-season part we complained about at the time and Luca was not too pleased with it either, uh, given his interviews uh, with the Palace TV channel as well. Nick? Um, with being take a shot, was there a shot he had where uh, Lumica, Lumaker, Lumica, um, actually they kind of got in each other's way. And if, That's uh, the one, yeah. If Lumica had actually touched it, the keeper was going to go the other way, I think, because he... But he, he pulled out, but there looked a bit of a lack of communication there. Although yeah, it was a splendid run through. He, he showed his yeah. uh, physicality there when he burst through those two players because it was like they weren't there. It was uh, like um, Holloway talking about players going through doors, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It's a reference back to a comment made by Ed Holloway four years ago on this show. <laughs> to be honest, ago. it didn't make much sense at the time then. It didn't, did it? <laughs> we, I mean, we all nodded. We all like, yeah, <laughs> yes, Ian. Totally with you. <laughs> uh, good times. It's fun back then, you remember? <laughs> oh, anyway, you, you're right. Lubecca did kind of kind of almost try to shoulder him out of the way and just bounced off Benteke. It was quite amusing, really. But I, I did wonder if Lubecca was actually offside when the ball was played anyway. So, and, ag- uh, and again, let's not kid ourselves. If if Lubecca had that chance and missed it, we'd have all been sat here screaming, why didn't he leave it for Christian Benteke? 
Exactly, exactly. Uh, we'll go to DR in just a moment, but a tweet in from Chris Clark, CPFC. Still on the coach back from Burnley and listed live to post-match analysis. Not post-match, that's something else. Post-match analysis from our radio. Uh, hi, Chris. Safe journey back to you and everyone else on that coach as well. I do uh, the club coach on the way back when you've lost. It's a dark, dark place. <laughs> it really, really is. Oh, dear. Anyway, DR. Yeah, going back and looking back at today, I think we have to take positives. Uh, yes, we have to be more clinical, but we created chances. It's a start of something, and we changed tactics. So we can we can all all say, "Oh, Frank Tabo done this. We played three at the back and blah blah blah." T- today he did change it, and when he did change it, we did create twenty. I think we had twenty two attempts. I can't remember remember even us having five attempts in our last five in our last five games in one game. So twenty two attempts in one game is really brilliant, and we need to be more positive now. We have to look forward to Southampton, and we have to say maybe one week in training could sort out the stri- um, the finishing issue, and hopefully it does. Uh, yeah, that's it. And that's look, you, you, you're right. There are a lot of positives today. We we have had a moan, but you do moan when you've the runoff form that we're on and that sort of that stretches back to last season as well although I do think you have to kind of put that to one side uh, but the start we've had has been poor you know it's obviously not scoring in four games at the start of the season and not getting a point is actually a record in the Premier League that we really didn't want to be having right now um, so you know there, there's there are a lot of things to be negative about but if you look again I suppose give, let's you know let's let's give him a bit of credit I guess look at Frank, Frank, what Frank was saying he said he would be you know, he would be flexible. He would use the squad that he had in the best way he thought possible. Uh, and he also said that over time, the ideas will come in, you know, come into practice and that we will improve. Uh, and again, we played, made this comparison before. If you go back to the same things that Allardyce was saying when he took over Palace and said, you know, his ideas are going to take a while to get through. You're going to have to wait till March till we start getting results. He was absolutely right. And again, we've talked about this before. Do we have, do we afford Frank de Boer, that same, you know, respect to actually listen to what he's saying and agree with him and say, fine, do it. Because if you don't do that, as Dion has probably said, as actually said before, why make that appointment if you're not going to do that? Um, but, you know, no, no one can argue it's been an incredibly poor start. But if you want to take the positives, the positives are today was a big step in the right direction. Uh, go on, Dion. It took it took Big Sam, a very experienced Premier League manager, um, about 10 games to get us going. So if we're looking at Frank de Boer, he has no experience in the Premier League and it's only been four games. I've been criti- I've been criticised before for being over like going over the top for maybe uh, my comments after the game about uh, how we perform. But looking back at it, we need to realise it's only been four games. Frank de Boer hasn't had any Premier League experience and he's switching up. So we just have to look at that. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. 
At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Wait, so we All can't right. judge early, yeah? Albert. Yeah, the way, I, I completely get why everyone's saying, oh, Big, Big Sam took five games, blah, blah, blah. But the, 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 the stark difference here is that Big Sam hadn't had a transfer window. So he could, you know, he can amble through and, and see what he needs for those five games and then go to Steve Parrish and say, I need X, Y, and Z. And, you know, and hopefully the money gets released. We right. don't have that. We don't have that now. That's gone. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's De Boer's fault. I'm not saying it's Steve Parrish's fault. But he has, he, we can't change a thing until January. With regards to personnel, we we were always getting uh, Sacco, I think, uh, regardless of whether De Boer wanted him. So I think that the kind of appointments have gone a little bit over De Boer's head. I know um, Riedewald got a bit of, got a bit of stick for his first game, you know, and as Chris has said, he's got a bit better. Hopefully, the ones he has brought in will do well. Yeah, I, I, that well, obviously we hope that, <laughs> but. Um, I, I can see the point you're making, Albert, with that. With, but oh, I don't know. It's I, I think it's a valid comparison. I do, and we're starting to get into the territory of who was the driving force behind the decision not to make certain signings earlier and all that kind of stuff, right? There's oh, I've got to watch <laughs> watch my words, I guess, because I'll be making assumptions as well, as well, basically what I'm going to say. But let's just say that there were comments made by by Steve Parrish where he talked about thinking the right thing to do from a transfer perspective is to give yourself an option to see other teams playing before you before you were absolutely certain about which areas you want to strengthen. Now that'll immediately enrage about ninety percent of the fan base who will just point out that simple maths will tell you that one striker isn't enough strikers. You know, so uh, I, I can kind of see both sides of it. I get, I get your point that it's different in the that De Boer's had a chance to build that team, but you're really looking at a very short time. From, you know, this was this was his first game since the transfer window shut, and he hasn't really had an opportunity to play our, our best players anyway. So it's a horrible situation to be in. Uh, and all I'll say on it any anymore now is, if there was no sign of improvement. It's, it's a no-brainer. It's not worked. He's uh, got to go. And, and, you know, he still might, for all we know. You know, it, it was it was an experiment. We, we were, able, were able to back him for whatever reason in the transfer window to get the kind of players that need to play the system he wants to play. It's not going to work. But when you look at what happened today, you, you, you can say we're moving in the right direction. Now, what we've got to really avoid is the situation we have with Pardew, where we gave him a certain amount of time it was going terribly. Then he had a win against Southampton that we kind of thought, well, that's it. We've turned the corner. We finally sort of got that losing streak out of the way and everything's going to get better, right? It's going to be brilliant now. And then it wasn't. <laughs> and so we kind of lost about you know another five or six games before before Alan got the sack, wherever it was. So what we don't want to do is, is have these improve. We've got to see continual improvement. That's what we've got to see. And that's got to start in the next game, which is against Southampton, isn't it? It's got to start. With a goal. The irony. The, yeah, there we go. The absolute irony. Were he to go and win that, you know, that that's not that's not enough. But as long as it's a continual improvement, you've, there's always a chance for him to turn it around and for his for his ideas to take hold and for us to get what we've aimed for, which is a long term improvement, isn't it, Albert? Yes, but with the caveat, Frank, if you're listening, if you do beat Southampton, don't come out 
giving it all the Billy Big Bollocks and saying Americans don't know anything about football. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't do that. No dancing either on the touchline if we score. Just try and avoid all those kind of pitfalls. Uh, talking about, um, I've, oh, I was going to do a really slick link, but then I forgot what we were talking about. It's bad, isn't it? I told you I was ill. What was my, uh, what was the, you know, the, the hilariously jingled feature we have, which I won't name now. What was my thing? What was I talking about in that? Do you remember? Oh, it was, uh, yeah, so right, right. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to kind of go back and put a really slick link in. Give me, give me two seconds. on. <laughs> so talking about the, uh, the style we play in Frank de Boer and, you know, the fact he's trying to change your identity. Here's this week's Hamblings Ramblings. Chris Hamblings got all ranty. Something's really wound him up. He's using lots of nutty words like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake. It's going to get quite heated. The air is turning blue. The refs have cut. The players are. And guess what? So are you. He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such. But please don't get him started on Jordan much. Hello and welcome to Hamlet's Ramblings this week. Uh, I felt like I might complain about how ill I am, but uh, not sure that would last for the requisite two to three minutes. So what I'm going to talk about is uh, an article I read during the week. Uh, it was posted up on the BBS and it was talking about the identity of Crystal Palace. Uh, the headline was, Palace already had a successful identity. Why change it? And uh, it got me thinking because there's been a lot of reference to identity by fans, sort of, you know, message boards and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And well, it got me thinking, have we really ever had a successful identity? I mean, you could argue that we're now in the most successful period we've ever had as Palace fans. We're in the Premier League for a record five seasons. And, you know, OK, maybe it won't last much longer with how things are going. But, you know, we've we've got the lessons of history, haven't we, where... No, the team that gets us up eventually gets dismantled or the team that's performing well eventually either falls away from form or we sell players or whatever and it's all about how you replace them and we've never really done that we've never been a club that's really sustained any kind of success we don't win trophies you know, other than the Zenith Data Systems Cup of course which we're all still very proud of but realistically can we ever really have anyone claim that we've got a successful identity? And is it really that strange that those in charge actually want to change it, actually want to create a philosophy of football at Palace, actually want us to dominate games by top-tier players, uh, you know, press the, the upper reaches of the Premier League and actually start to try and make an impact? You know, win a cup here or there, something like that. Is it really that hard to understand? I don't actually think people really think about what they're saying i think their frame of reference sometimes is too short they think that the you know 2010 was kind of like the time that our football club started and it didn't you know and, and when i see them from the flat that the the board are getting of course they're there to be criticized when they make mistakes mistakes have been made but you know realistically we we've had got it the best we've ever had it so can we actually take a moment appreciate where we've been and it doesn't you know, when you when you say on Twitter or something, oh, don't mention that 2010, CPC 2010 saved the club, that doesn't make it an invalid point. Nor does it make it an invalid point that if we don't change, if we carry on doing things the same, then all we can expect is for history to repeat itself. And if history repeats itself, Palace will go down. And what happens in the modern game when teams go down is that it's very, very tough to get back if you don't get back the first time. The damage that could be done by not changing, not being brave, could be far, far worse than if we just stayed as we were. Staying as we are doesn't guarantee success. 
Chris Sambling's gone all ranty Something's really wound him up He's using lots of nutty words Like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake It's going to get quite heated The air is turning blue The refs have come, the players are And guess what, so are you He'll whine about the tactics The substitutes and such But please don't get him started On Jordan much it's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia, homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. So the gist <laughs> is that uh, the, comp- the well, this, the assertion that we had a successful identity. The fact that, the fact to be honest with you, the assertion that we have an identity in terms of, of, of how we play. Anyway, I do struggle with. I get it. You know, fast wingers, youth system, blah 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 blah, as we always talked about. Um, but the idea that we should never try to change that, and that by doing by trying to change it, we're only asking for trouble. I do struggle with, and I, I firmly believe. But how do I, you know, had this been me in this position to try and make the decision of where do we go next? How do we stop history repeating itself? I do think this is the, the route I would take. Unfortunately, it takes a brave person to do it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not gone well so far. So what do we think, gents? I'll start with you, Nick, since you've breathed into your microphone. What do you want? That wasn't me breathing. I was holding my breath. Um, hanging on your every word, Chris. Um, <laughs> We can change our style if we get relegated and kind of spend two Swansea have got the right system. They've changed they've changed their style and every manager they've brought in has brought into that system and it's been an experiment. It's been going on for eight or nine years now, is it? But you much as I'd like us to be able to do it, I don't think you can in such a such a league as the Premier League because it's just, you've got no chance. Um, there's a guy who plays for Swansea centre-back who's made his way up every season. He started from the conference south and every season he's gone up and now he's in the Premier League with, with Swansea. And he said that in the lower divisions, you make a mistake and maybe two out of ten times they'll score. In the Premier League, you make a mistake, it's nine times out of ten. And playing Unless you're playing Palace. Unless you play, yeah, haha. But it's, we're going to have that. We're talking about the. You were talking about Allardyce earlier and how it took him eight games. That was different because it wasn't eight games at the beginning of the season, and it's that psychology of having the zero points, which is why I think he changed it back to the back four, getting it forward quickly and getting the ball in 
it, it suited us and we looked more like palace yeah but i sure well this is my point surely identity is just about the capability of the players that you have and more importantly the ability for those players to adapt and change you know if you again we've been in the premier league for a period of time where we're able to start targeting bigger name players higher quality players and that's the that's the point you can't go out either you don't go out and sign Johan Kabai or Christian Benteke or even Mama Sako. You don't go out and sign those. You go and sign lower tier players who can play the system that you play and, and never change it. The, the, problem then, with, the problem is, though, we've had 748 managers in the last eight years. And, uh, you know, it's you don't know whether you're coming or going, do you? Look, it's a revolving door. I, I just, you know, the, the, I know what you mean. But the point, the point of it is this, right? If you get up into the Premier League and you're playing reasonably well, so let's say the first two seasons we did pretty well, finished mid-table, uh, had bad runs but were able to address it, all that kind of stuff, right? But ultimately the players that you have, you talk about people like Damian Delaney, Joe Ledley, Mile Yedonak, uh, even KG for the first season. No, no, KG wasn't there. Even KG in the Championship, I'm thinking of. But eventually those players will either, their abilities will either diminish or they'll go on to, to a bigger and better things, potentially. But more often than not, it's particularly with the team that got us up because I think it was a team that overperformed. Eventually they found it impossible en masse to sort of sustain that level. So it's all about how you rebuild a team. And there's you know many different clubs at many different levels where that is, you know, every club really that, that applies to. But you look at the difficulty at the top of the division where, where players age or players move on. And it's all about how you operate in the transfer market to bring those in. I think we're just caught in a horrible position where we, we want to change style for, for pretty good reason, but we're trying to do it at a period where the, Prices have never been higher. You know, the amount of teams with money has never been higher. The the FFP kind of favours a huge rebuilding job when you first get into the division. And unfortunately, the rebuilding job when we first got into the division that we did went very wrong with what we signed under Holloway. Um, and we've been correcting it kind of ever since. And we haven't... We, we've got this sort of lopsided team, if you like, where we've got a, a smattering of absolute class... And then players who we're questioning. But I still look at the squad and I still look at that group of players in general, other than the real fringes of the squad, and think it's not too much I'd swap out of about 10 teams around us. There really isn't. So that's where I am with it. That's what I'm talking about with identity. I think we overdo it uh, a little bit in terms of, of, oh, we're Crystal Palace. We've always done it this way. I think you have to change that attitude to actually stop doing the same things you've always done. Uh, Nick, you've you've given your opinion on that, Albert. What's yours? I think the jingle for Hamblings Ramblings is great. <laughs> yeah, great lyrics, aren't they? Yeah. Who wrote? Who? Yeah, yeah. good lyrics. Some, some big future, guy. big future. Uh, yeah, the identity thing. Ugh. The uh, I I hear uh, club identity, and I instantly think of West Ham. You know, you, you get everyone gets so hung up playing the West Ham way and all that nonsense, and I just think. You know, I, I think your, ident- your identity and the way you play are two different are two different things. You know, our identity is, for me, is sort of being the, the plucky underdog, um, you know, and, and trying to take a few big scalps here and there, which is exactly what we've done the first two, arguably three seasons of being in the Premier League this time around. I think what we're struggling to do now, and last season, Pardew tried his um, 
dreaded transition is, you know, we're trying to not be the underdog because we've had five years of Premier League money, five years of investment and of being settled for want of a better word. And we're still coming up short in, in various areas and various areas. <laughs> and like you said, to, to, to sort of change that, is a, a, a huge, huge cost. You know, our academy isn't, I don't think, is, is what we think it is. Um, Johnny players like Johnny Williams still getting sent out on loan, you know, nowhere near getting into our first team. So if we can't, if we can't bring, you know, really talented, promising players up through the ranks and we still can't seem to sign decent fringe, whatever you want to call them, fringe bench players, you know, like you say, that the, the team is going to be lopsided. We've got a great first eleven. I'm, I'm not going to dispute that at all. But it's when Plan A even goes ten percent awry, who's who's coming in for that player that's suspended or that that player that's out for four weeks, especially when it's someone like Zaha. And yeah. you know, I, th- I think we're we're still probably two or three transfer windows away from being able to address it. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. But obviously, it's interesting the point you make about you know the identity of, of plucky underdogs. But obviously, the point being that uh, history shows you you can only sustain that for a certain amount of time in the top division before being a plucky underdog sends you down. Uh, unfortunately, um, tweet in from from Chris Clark pointing out there's a good bit of balance here actually pointing out of the the signings. Fosu Mensa, Loftus Cheek looking great. There was a poor debut from Joe. Riedemeld, but hopefully it'll improve. And like I said, there's there's a bit about him. I quite like him as a player. So actually, the business we've done, and obviously you throw Sacco into that as well. Business we've done is pretty good. That's that's a very fair point. Let's just hope we can start playing the ball, keeping them all fit, and uh, and playing that first eleven that looks good, as Albert says. I'll give Dr a, a last word in a moment. But Nick, you've got some stuff in the chat there. Is Nick, Nick on mute. Do you think? Hopefully. Ash Eagle has said on wholeradio.net forward slash chat, um, identity is playing with two wingers and having pace going forward. Our identity has been defined by Balassi and Zaha, and I imagine Salako and uh, McGoldrick before them. Um, and you the, forgot Marco uh, Reich. <laughs> yeah. Julian Gray, Toby Black. Yeah, yeah. And nodding them in. Townsend came to us because we played with wingers under police. Our identity was being solid at the back and quick going forwards. Um, Lee CPFC says we should be further ahead of newly promoted teams now. Now especially the likes of Brighton are up. We should look and feel five years ahead of them and have players they can only dream of signing. Not sure where we are. I'm not sure I agree with this five years ahead thing. I'm not sure how you can quantify that because look uh, a year is a long time in football. It is, and I won't dwell on it because uh, we are overrunning. But just to make the point on that, when when you come up from a promotion campaign, you have a degree of momentum, and that that will sustain you, just like it sustained us, and it sustained a lot of teams over the years. The difficulty comes when they then they have to, you know, replace people in that squad. How do they, do they keep that same momentum? At some point they will they will lose it. They will lose the togetherness. They'll lose the spirit if they're not careful. And that's that happens to every team. Um really and it, it, it takes a strong manager to to address that. We've had to address it over a period of time several times since we've been in the Premier League and a lot in our past. And I think that's that's where we are right now. We've got to kind of stay the course a little bit. Last couple of tweets in uh 
Chris Clark was pointed out Sacco's not an FDB signing. He would have to give the go ahead, but I get the point. Uh, strengths and us issue is not signing a goalkeeper or striker. Uh, can't argue with that. Uh, hopefully, can bag a free agent. Uh, put in brackets two. I think you're already allowed to sign one. You have to get dispensation dispensation to sign a free agent. We only got one gap in the squad. Uh, okay, uh, sorry, Dio. I didn't give you an opportunity to talk about the identity. You're you're obviously you're a tiny child, so you won't have seen too many different identities in your time at Palace. Who do you, what do you consider to be our identity? It's a weird one because we've we've never really had a manager long term recently for us to have a proper identity. It's like our identity identity changes most of the times when new managers come in. So. Right now, I don't think we have a clear, outright identity. I think once we have a long-term manager, if Frank de Boer, well, we've been, well, what Steve Parrish said earlier was that Frank de Boer, um, he wanted him to be maybe our long-term manager. So if if uh, Steve uh, Frank de Boer um, becomes uh, a strength and he does, uh, he plays the right way and makes the players play the right way. I think then we can discuss our identity. Right now, I don't see us having a clear, outright identity. I just don't see it because yeah, it changes. It changes when it really, comes in. It's a really interesting point. You know, again, I, I, you know, taking the mickey a little bit with your age, but it's interesting that you that you do see it like that. It does show you, you know, in, in your lifetime where where we've been, and that is chopping and changing managers and trying to find that that balance. We've had promotions and relegations in that time, but. You know, most of most of your time supporting the club up until the last promotion, we, we you know, well, we were, we were in the championship, weren't we? So, you know, this is, I suppose, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's interesting to hear your perspective on that, Dion. So, thank you very much. Anyway, uh, before I sort of just fall over and die from this horrible, horrible head cold that I've got, uh, I'm feeling absolutely horrific. I'm going to end this show. We've already got a little bit of extra, and uh, if you download the podcast, there's more extra, isn't there? More extra. I think extra, 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 extra. Got some <laughs> bombshells in it, hasn't it, Chris? Oh, absolutely has. If you want to know, no, I'm not going to spoil it. Just download it and listen to it. It'd be good. Um, so we're going to say our goodbyes, and there'll be some sort of music and stuff after that, and maybe a maybe a message from Terence, perhaps something like that. Anyway, so thank you to Tom for producing and my panel, Albert, Nick, and Dr. Uh, preview show will be available for download in midweek, and we'll be back on Sunday, 8 p.m. Bye. 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 Mike Oxmoor. Right. Okay. No, can mate, you? Can you just start? Recording. Shut up, Nick. We'll talk, no, you just just put now when you're recording. Oh, you just put recording when you're recording. Keep this in. This is good. Ugh. I watched the uh, highlights on Five Live last night at Football League. It's only on for like half an hour. How did they get all them goals in half an hour? But there's some cracking goals in non-league yeah, football. That's, that's where we're headed. So um, I'm just scouting. <laughs> only for that, is So yeah, welcome to the extra content. Straight in there, Nick, weren't you? No, no time for introductions or anything. I suppose it does work because you'll be no, right at the end. This is at the end. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, that's we're recording this. It's I'll let you into a little secret, you know, behind the curtain or whatever it is. We don't have a curtain, but behind it anyway. Uh, as we're recording this, Steve uh, Parrish is on a sort of spree, isn't he, on Twitter, uh, taking on all comers, making a variety of points. Guys, you've been reading it as well. Uh, Dr, we know your opinion. 
<laughs> which is uh, quite a strong and critical one, which some people like and some people don't. That is your opinion. You're entitled to it, kind of. Uh, but some of the things I want to pick out a couple of bits. So Steve Parrish has said that he's happy for people to vent at him. Buck, well, he says Buck, I think you mean Buck. Buck stops with him, never run away from that. So he's admitting this mistake's been made. But he's really, really is challenging people. Uh, so this was interesting we spent over 30 million pounds on top of the 40 million pounds plus loan fees and wages in january let me ask you a question who has the better squad us or burnley you'll answer that then what do do you go on you first we have the better (laughs) squad simple yeah yeah we do have the better squad but that's not the problem today we saw in the lineup that one of Couple injuries and we're gone. We lack depth. Like we played Lee Chung Young, who um, he was so awful, and uh, he shouldn't even be in our squad, let alone but, in the starting. But in general, away away from the Burnley game, because obviously everyone's talk, just listened to us talk about that. So, um, do you do you understand the point that's being made though? I mean, obviously, the immediate response I would give, and being that I I am supportive of of you know Steve Parish, I think. There's an obvious reason why that is. It's because you know his his record as chairman, as he said in one of his tweets, stands up against anyone. So that's that's one of the main reasons I'm supportive. But I do think that the immediate response to that would be check out the number of forwards that everyone else has, <laughs> and then and then check out our squad um, because I, I do I do think that's. I mean, as much as if Benteke stays fit, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Although, of course, you could argue it stops us being out of change stuff. Um, that really is what everyone's latched onto, isn't it? Is that fair, Nick? I think it is fair. Um, I mean, even getting rid of Fraser Campbell as a last-minute backup, it, it's like, okay, we've got rid of him. Who are we going to bring in to replace him? And there's been no way. The, the, the only way I can see forward is is if Wilf plays up front and we've, we've got enough kind of alternative wingers and if, if Wilf is playing just off of Benteke and gets the ball in that area and runs into the box from the middle rather than from the wings, you know, that's going to cause these big lumpy uh, centre-halves a lot more problems than somebody um, that the wing-backs or the left or right-backs used to plan against. you know what I mean? I do, yeah. It's, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad Steve is responding to people on Twitter and, and putting his view across. And I think a lot of people are trying to push him into backing Frank De Boer. And obviously you probably would have, we would, well, we would have discussed Frank De Boer. Uh, in, in the sh- you know before this, but I, I think I suppose it, I suppose in a, in a general sense, it it gets harder to kind of make sense of it all when you when you find out. So that that's a Turkish striker, Dr. Whose name is Jen Tosun. Yeah. So he said that he, if the move had happened earlier, he would be playing in England. That he actually he found out about it on deadline day. So that kind of dispels. Well, it's not a myth. Most deals are done over a number of weeks or potentially months uh, over, over the summer. But that particular one, it does show you that that deal was done incredibly late. And the reason that didn't go anywhere is because it was too late for him to kind of make that decision. And similarly, you know, we then moved on to, to Nias, and we all know what happened with that. I was just about to mention Nias, and it's that he's, he's got a diff, difficult juggling act because. Because it's obvious that the agents were taking the mickey a little bit when Yassi. He was furious, wasn't he? Absolutely furious. And now he's unable to play 
because the bloke supposed, you know, because he's on the sidelines at Everton, his agent, who's supposed to flipping well represent him, has caused him to be not playing football, which is what the bloke wants to do. It's fucking scandalous, excuse my French. Oh, you've given a top and edit job to do that, Diogo. Yeah. Yeah, but then with Nias, if we if we did really want him, we know that Everton wanted to we know that Everton wanted to sell him before. It's not like they wanted to keep Nias. They've been on their getaway list for a very long time now because Everton is not favoured. So if we did genuinely want him, we would have we would have got him early on in the, early on in the season in transfer window. But we didn't. It's just the last minute um, going and trying to get place. It's a frustrating thing. Why don't we go? Bef- why don't we go before? Yeah. And get players like Nias instead of well, keeping last second. Well, it's probably obviously wasn't our first choice if, if the other move fell down. I suppose there probably would have been moves before that as well. But, you know, wh- whatever the case, it's, you know, it's the frustrating time. We spent a lot, well, we spent two hours, over two hours talking about it on transfer deadline day. And uh, and, and we even stopped the show before the Nias still fell through. It was, you know, pretty pretty shell-shocked when that actually happened. So, um, but look, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about football and, you know, we're coming to the end of the extra content as well. So, Dio, you wanted to talk a bit about food. Uh, oh, yeah. You like a bit of Twix. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do like a Twix. So I, I can't have it anymore because of diabetes. But, uh, but, but how, many, how much Twix have you had today? Oh, I can't say that. <laughs> it's just it's because Steve Parrish been on Twitter, so I just had to get all the Twix fingers. And I think I've had like nine Twix. <laughs> Four and a half Twixes. Uh, I yeah, used to work so. at the Mars Bar factory. And I used to eat um, wonky Maltesers because the, the reject Malteser bin <laughs> behind my workstation. I used to eat loads and loads and loads and loads of Maltesers. Can I just say there's... A couple of bombshells in that, Nick. First of all, that there are such things as wonky Maltesers. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, that there's a bin full of them somewhere that I could potentially access. <laughs> Don't ever, ever tell me where it is because that'll be my death, unfortunately. Um, why didn't we start this section with that bombshell? Like, much better. <laughs> it would have been, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, so Neil's a, a big fan of chocolate and that's why he's like a hyperactive child. Nick, what's your favourite food? I've been making lots of pies lately. I've made a, a scrummy apple pie that I've just had with some ice cream. That's um yeah. Scrummy Bacon apple pie. or scrumpy apple? Scrummy. Oh, okay. So you're just you're reviewing your own food as describing it? Yeah. Okay. Fair play. That's all right. It's what people do on their blogs, isn't it? Yeah, they, they, they have false names and recommend things, and it's theirs. How long do you think it would be before one of you is polite enough to ask me a question about what I like? <laughs> no one cares. No, no, no. No, no, Would you rather eat? You know, you buy. You know, you get the drinks in the uh, cup to, at football, and if you don't stir it really, really well, you just get that gunk at the bottom. What's your favourite gunk at the bottom? Is it bovril gunk or is it a hot chocolate gunk? Oh, I mean, it's it's not hot chocolate gunk, right? I'll eliminate that straight away. I like bovril gunk. Who doesn't? Um, but do you know what the best gunk is? Go on. Chicken and mushroom pot noodle gunk. <laughs> You might be right there. There we go. Uh, do write in with your own favourite gunk. Uh, to go to radio.net forward slash contact to uh, message us by email. Or you could go to our Facebook page, can't you? 
just search Homestead Radio or the chat and discussion group. Uh, just search Homestead Radio again. You'll find both. Uh, do let us know. Favoured gunk, please. Or tweet us at HOL Radio on Twitter. There's, there's, a, there's an Instagram as well, but I don't really understand. That vend- that. Vending machine tomato soup gunk ain't all that. Oh, that's awful. I, I used to work in a, in a bakery in a, when I was in my teens. Uh, it's a big bakery factory rather than a little little baker's or anything like that. And uh, they had a vending machine that gave you vegetable soup, which I'm pretty sure was just actually vomit. Were you able to, did you have a bin of um, misshapen um, <laughs> tiger bread behind you that you'd ripped the crusts off if you got a bit peckish? <laughs> Mate, there were crates of it, crates of it everywhere. <laughs> Plus, it was it was a while ago. We didn't have tiger bread back then. Yeah. No, Dion, can you imagine it? A time without tiger bread. The missus uh, bought um, some giraffe bread. I've never seen that before. Giraffe bread? What's that all about? It's just a baguette. You turned it to Michael McIntyre. That's all Peter Kay. That's going to be one of their next routines. Giraffe bread? <laughs> Future. Oh, well, we all love you, don't we? <laughs> we do, do you? Thanks, for <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure the listeners loved every second of it. So let's leave them there with that little treat. See ya. Hello, dear. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport, powered by fans.